Touch it there. That's what you have on Wednesdays, 30 to 35. So that's, that's very scary for someone who usually goes 50 to 55 minutes. I don't know if you guys understand that or not. Uh, but it's kind of awkward here. I uh, told my wife, I'm like, I'm preaching a series or preaching a sermon on love, and none of my family is going to be here. <laughs> what is that going to tell everybody? I'm just kidding. Uh, my son has a game. My mom told me once, she said, Scotty, you think you love your kids. You'll never understand love until you have a grandkid. You love them so much more than you do your kids. And I thought, wow, <laughs> way to bruise the ego, Mom. But anyways, uh, we started this series called uh, Love Is, and we're really going to really excited about it because you guys are going to get to see a lot of, of different uh, pastors up here. You're going to get to see a lot of different speakers and, and different styles. And Paul goes through this beautiful, beautiful uh, section of scripture here. So let's go ahead and we're going to get started. If you would, just please bow your head and we'll go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, God, we're so thankful, Lord, that we could be here tonight uh, to worship you, God, and to offer up our praise to you. And Father, we just pray that anything that would hinder that tonight, Lord, that we would we would forget about it. We would leave it outside the door. God, let us be here focused on you and giving you all the praise and the glory that you're so worthy of. And Father, we just pray that you would bless your word as it goes forth. God, because we know that is where the power is. It's nowhere else but your word. And God, we just pray that you would bless it again as it goes forth. In the precious name of Jesus, we ask. Amen. All right, so we started out our uh, Love Is series last week, and, and we had Landon and, and Ben came up and really uh, gave a couple great, great messages there. Uh, ben, I think, went a little overboard, uh, in my opinion. So he preaches this great sermon on love, and he drops the mic and goes and gets Sandy and goes to Hawaii, right? And then I got to follow that. I told Nicole, don't be expecting anything like that. We might go to Helmer. We ain't going to Hawaii. <laughs> but anyways, they, they just did a, a great job last week of going through verses uh, 1 through 3. Uh, and Paul's really starting to, to, to teach and to, to hammer down uh, this, this theme or this, this thought that he has on love. Um, because he really feels like without love, everything else is pointless. It's worthless when we go through life without love. We can try to self-will a lot of things, but if we don't have love, it really means nothing. Paul really hammers home this point because if you, if you read back in the, in the chapter prior to 13, chapter 12, these people in the church, they're already, they're arguing, they're fighting, uh, they're arguing over, over who has the better gift, and they're arguing over who has the better rank in the church and who's going to be the greatest in the church. They're arguing over all those things, and they're, they're being puffed up because they have more knowledge maybe than somebody else or because they have more wealth maybe than somebody else or because they have this gift that that person doesn't have, and they're starting to swell up and puff up, and they forget, forgetting what Jesus taught us about what our position would be, right? Forgetting what Jesus taught us about if you want to be great, what do you have to be? So we're going to read that in Mark chapter 10. It says, calling them to himself, Jesus said to them, you know that those who are recognized as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and their great men exercise authority over them. But it is not this way among you. 
But whoever wishes to become great among you shall be what? Your servant. And whoever wishes to be first among you shall be your slave. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. These people in Corinth, they had forgotten all about what Jesus had taught. And it's just like so many people in the church today. They, they jockey and they want to prove how spiritual they are by, I don't do this or I don't do that or I gave that up and this person does this. So look at me, I'm better than them. And we try to, we try to make people look at us and think that we're better than the next person because we, we somehow think that we're a little more spiritual than them. And we try to be seen by the men and the women to, to make us feel important. We try to get that pat on the back that Jesus said, if that's, if that's what you're searching for, then have it. That's your reward. That's all you're going to get. But that's still today. That's a problem still in the church today among Christians. Jesus said, if you want to be great, learn how to be last. You want to be first, learn how to be under. You want to be great in the eyes of God. Be willing to sit down and sacrifice with the least. The person that you think is worthless, be willing to sit down and sacrifice yourself for them. Then you'll be thought of as great in the eyes of God. Be willing to serve when nobody else is willing to serve that person. Be willing to be like Jesus when Jesus said, I came what? I came not to be served, but to serve to the point even to show you how much I love you. I'm going to give my very life to try to drive this point home to you. What love really is. And so Paul sees these people again jockeying for position and rank and he goes over all these different gifts in chapter 12 and 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 goes over all these different talents and gifts that that God has blessed them with and then he comes to the end of chapter 12 before we get into 13 and he says all those things are great and all those gifts are great but the end of chapter 12 says Paul says this but but earnestly desire the greater gifts and I show you still a more excellent way, a greater way. And then he goes into, his, into love. Paul says, you want all these gifts and you fight over all these things and you've forgotten the most important thing that Jesus taught us. You've forgotten the greatest gift and the greatest thing that, that God made available to us, and that was love. Because anything else outside of love means nothing. And then again, he goes, in, like I said, into verses 1 through 3, and we hear that, Paul talk about the primacy of love or, or the great importance that love has in the life of a Christian or in the ministry of us as believers. So much so that, that Paul and, and Ben and Landon taught this great math equation last week. Now, I don't know if you guys caught it last week, but there was a math equation in there. And Paul taught this, and I'm going to teach you guys that if you, did, if you didn't catch it last week. So, and it's not like math like they tell you. It's not like geometry and algebra and calculus. You actually use this math equation, I promise you, sometime in your life. And that math equation is this, and we talked about it already. Everything in the world minus love equals what? Nothing. If we can remember that every day in our lives, remember that, that math equation as you go out your, through your life every day. See, no matter all the great things that we do, no matter what we do, if we don't do it in love, when we stand before the Bema seat and the judgment seat of Christ, it's going to be worth nothing. If we did it all out of the wrong motives, it's going to be worth nothing. 
So you may be thinking about the group like the group Hadaway. Everybody remember them? Hadaway, what did he say? What is love, right? Or the great philosopher foreigner. What did they say? I want to know what love is, right? So we're sitting here thinking that, and now the Apostle Paul is going to switch from the importance of love to what love is or a description of love. And so we go into uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4. And to try to get this to 30 minutes, I, I only did half this verse. So <laughs> it says, love is patient, love is kind, and it is not jealous. Love does not brag and is not arrogant. And a lot of these tie together, but the last two kind of go with, with verse 5, so I thought I'll pick it up there next week. But right off the bat, we see, right, if you're like me, you're thinking, right off the bat, right, love is patient. I mean, I had to go and apologize to someone just the other day because I wasn't patient. I even got a technical foul, and that's not me, but I did because I wasn't being patient. And I thought the whole, that whole day, I'll be honest with you, that whole day I thought I was in the right. I was right when I said that. But that night came, and let me tell you, I got beat up, beat up, taken out to the woodshed, as, as Nate and Chris say. And God wasn't going to let me get away with it, and I had to go and humbly apologize uh, for my actions. But then I thought, how ironic that I do that. And then God gives me this verse uh, to preach on a little bit. So right off the bat, and I like to think of myself as a fairly patient person. I really do. Now, my wife and kids, again, will probably tell you that that's wrong. But there is a couple things, really, that, that really gets under my crawl and really tests my patience. So the first one is the drive through at McDonald's. When you pull up to that window and you place your order and you pay and you hear those dreaded, dreaded 11 words, please pull forward, right? And we'll have your order out to you shortly, right? And then you pull over to this abyss and you're forgotten about in this black hole. And I'm thinking, I only ordered cheese or hamburgers with ketchup. That should be easier to make, right? You don't have to put anything else on it. But I get pulled over there, and 15 minutes later, then my food comes. And you're seeing car after car pull up, grab their bag, and go. And then the other is, is obviously, like most men, is the traffic, right? Traffic really tests my patience. If you, if you get in the passing lane, that's to pass. That's not to drive the same speed. You either pass or you go faster than everybody else, and then you can have it all to yourself. But you don't get over there and drive right next to the cars. And if you're on Angling Road, don't drive 30 miles an hour on Angling Road. I was, we were actually on our way to church Sunday. <laughs> and somebody was going 30, I'm not kidding you, 30 miles per hour on Angling Road. And I really didn't even notice it. I didn't notice it, but I, Nicole says, really, Scotty? And I look up, and I'm like this close to the bumper. She says, you're on your way to church, and you're going to drive like that, Scotty? So I pulled her back to 25 miles per hour and tried to be patient. But those are the two things that, that really, really get to me. But the word patient there in the Greek, um, it, it, it really comes from two words, macro and thermeo. So it's macrothermeo. 
And macro meaning long or big. And tomeo meaning like temperature. So really what Paul is trying to say there is, is we need to have a, a long fuse, right? That's what he's trying to say. Uh, have a long fuse. The, the King James Version actually translates this very well. It, it says that, that suffer long or to be long suffering. That's really a good translation of that word. Um, and, and again, it, it gives the picture of, you guys remember Elmer Fudd when uh, Bugs Bunny would make him mad, his feet would start to get red and then it would just boil up. That's kind of the picture it gives that it, just, it, it should take time. We should be that type of person that it takes time to overheat or to boil up. Somebody shouldn't be able to light our fuse and right away we snap off. It should take us a while to get to that point. That's what Paul's saying here is that love will suffer a long time and be patient with someone still. Now, can anyone think of anyone that would be like that? I mean, they're in this room as you look around. Can anyone think of anyone that might be patient, really, really, really patient and long-suffering? Now, if you're sitting there and you're thinking, hmm, could be me, right? Now you not only struggle with patience, but pride also. <laughs> so I got you twice. Really, really the one in our example is who? It's, it's Jesus, right? Jesus is the one that, that modeled that perfectly for us, what it meant to suffer long for people and what it meant to have a, a long fuse with people. See, Jesus was, was mocked and still he suffered long. Jesus was spit on, and still he suffered long. Jesus was cursed at and ridiculed, and still he suffered long with his people. Jesus was beaten to the point beyond all recognition. You couldn't recognize who he was, and he still was patient. Jesus was murdered on a cross, and still at that point he yelled out what? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. That is the perfect example of long-suffering. David said this about God's patience in Psalm uh, 103. David said, The Lord is compassionate and gracious. He's slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness. And then Peter said this about God's patience in 2 Peter 3. He said, The Lord is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but he is patient towards you not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. See, God is not slow about his promises. God is not slow about bringing his judgment. God is patient. God is long-suffering with you, with me, and with this world. He's long-suffering. Think about how many times that, that God said, do this, Scotty, and I said, no, God, I'm not going to do that. Think about how many times that God said, go this way. And we said, no, God, I'm going to go this way. I'm going to do it my own way. Think about all those times that we said that to God. Think about the times that God said, go and make it right with that person. And we say, no, God, I'm not going to because they deserved it. Think about all those times that we tried God and we tested the patience of God when God told us to do something and we didn't do it. And now compare that with how you treated someone this week. 
or this month. Compare that to the person that made you mad last week. Compare that patience uh, to the person that didn't treat you like you thought you should be treated. Compare that to the loudmouth on Facebook that just knows how to get in your crawl. They just know exactly what to say, don't they? How did you treat them? Compare the patience of Jesus with how we've reacted this week to people in our life. Compare that and see how we come up. All those times we sought to get revenge for ourselves, forgetting what Jesus has called us to is something that's far greater than that. Something that's far greater than that feeling that we'll get from that little instant, that little moment of revenge and how good it feels. We're, we're called to something that's so much better than that. You are called to love. And you'll see later on in this, love is the greatest of all. You're called to something so much better than that little moment of satisfaction that you get from letting your temperature boil up and letting it loose. You're called to so much better than that. Remember, did God seek his revenge on you all those times that you turned your back? All those times that you said no to him. Did he turn his back on you? Did he hold his temper with you? What did he say? He said, come to me. Come to me and be restored and be forgiven. God is long-suffering. If we want to be like God, we need to learn to be that way, to be patient. See, God is calling you to this type of, of action. God is calling you to this type of love. The Bible says that we love, why? Because he first loved us. We're able to love because he first loved us. Now, we may not believe that, but that's true. You are able to, to love and to be patient because God has called you to that. God is not going to call you to something and tell you to do something if he's not going to equip you to do it. You're called to something far better than what we're doing right now. And then the next thing that Paul says after being patient is, is to be kind. And again, those two, those two go hand in hand, don't they? Those two really go hand in hand because if we can be patient, if we can suffer a long time with someone, we can grow to like them. And we can grow to be kind to them. See, if we can see, if we can be patient with people, and if we can understand that that person is just a work in progress, just like me, and that they have flaws and they have failures, just like me, that I turn some people off, I'm sure. If I can start to see and understand that God is working in their life on something, I don't have to know what it is, but God is moving in their life, and he's a work in progress just like I am. If we can start to see people that way, that God is willing to say, I'll die for them, then we can start to be patient with people, and we can be kind to one another when we start to see people with those eyes. And we can be there for each other, just as Jesus told us that we ought, ought to do for each other. Matthew uh, chapter 5, Jesus said this, If anyone wants, wants to sue you and take your shirt, let him have your coat also. Whoever forces you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to him who asks of you, and do not turn away from him who wants to borrow from you. You have heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. 
See, Jesus is, is teaching us and he's calling us to a better way than what this world wants us to act. The world wants you to act just like the world is. If somebody comes to you and they make you mad, what does the world say to do? React. Get your revenge. But Jesus is calling you to something that is far greater than that. He's saying, go beyond what's expected of you. Even, even sinners or unbelievers, he says, will do what's expected of them. And we'll read that verse a little bit later. Go beyond what this world thinks of you. Go beyond that. Love more than what others expect or think that you can love. And then he says that we're even to love our enemies and to pray for them. And he didn't mean the King, you know, the King David prayers. God rained down fire and judgment on their head. He's talking about really love them and pray for them. Pray for them that, that, that somehow God will use you to impact their life. Pray for them that somehow God is going to bless them. I know that's hard. Pray for them that somehow God will bless them and they'll see that it is from the hand of God and turn to God. That's hard to do, I understand, but we need to start praying that way and, and being that way as Christians. And again, I know that's hard to do. Luke, Luke chapter 6 says this. Jesus said, if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? So Jesus is saying, really, whoop-de-doo. If you love somebody that loves you back and treats you good already, what credit is that? What benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners or unbelievers do the same. Jesus says here, what credit is that? What good thing, what great thing do you think you've done because you love people that already love you or you treat people that treat you really good? What, what good really do you think you are? Do you really think you're doing something special? You're supposed to. You're supposed to love your children, right? And you're supposed to love your mother and your spouse. What good is that if, if, if that's all you can do? What benefit is that to you? He says to go beyond that. Go way beyond that. See, if we're called to be holy, which is what everyone in here that's a believer, you're called to be that Christian word holy, which means set apart and different. If we're called to be that, then we need to be different in how we love and how we have relationships with people. See, we want to be called holy, but we want to act just like the world in all of our relationships. And that's not what God has called you to. God has called you to something that is far better and greater than that. It's so easy to love people that do good things for you. So easy. Jesus says the reward comes from when you love the unlovable. The reward comes from when you are kind and patient to that person that gets under your crawl. That is where the reward lies. There's no reward in being loving and patient to your kids. That's easy. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes that's easy, but there's no reward in that. You're supposed to do that. God says, be different than the world. Be set apart than the world. Let them see how you love. Let that love draw them and wonder why you're different. That's godly love. That's agape love. 
And then it says that love is not jealous or envious. And that word here, is, it's, it's, it's meant in the phrase of like boiling over, right? It's boiling over with jealousy and envy of somebody else or someone else. And now for time's sake, again, I can't go really deep into that, but that's a major, major problem in Christianity today. We like to, what, what do we like to do? We like to look over at the fence of what the neighbors got, don't we? And it burns us up if we don't have it. We spend money that we don't have to impress people that don't care about us. All because we're jealous. We're jealous of what somebody else has. You know, and sometimes we make the mistake to think, well, that's just a, that's just a little sin, right? Envy is just a, that's a baby sin. Envy don't hurt anybody. Jealousy doesn't hurt anybody. But remember, it was envy and jealousy is the reason that Cain killed Abel, right? Envy and jealousy is why Joseph was sold into slavery by his brothers. And envy is one of the main reasons that Jesus Christ himself was put on the cross. Envy was one of the driving forces of the religious leaders of that time that put him on the cross. We'll read about that in Matthew chapter 27. It says, Now Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor questioned him, saying, Are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus said to him, It is as you say. And while he was being accused by the chief priests and elders, he did not answer. Then Pilate said to him, did you, Do you not hear the many things that they are testifying against you? And he did not answer him with regard to even a single charge, so that the governor was quite amazed. Now at the feast, the governor was accustomed to release for the people any one prisoner whom they wanted. At that time, they were holding a notorious, a notorious prisoner called Barabbas. So when the people gathered, Pilate said to them, Whom do you want me to release for you, Barabbas or Jesus, who is called the Christ? And it says this. Pilate said this, and it, it says this is why Pilate said this. For he knew that because of envy they had handed him over, because they were jealous of the recognition that Jesus got. They were jealous of the popularity that Jesus had. They were jealous of the standing that he had. And they, they got jealous and envious and they let it drive them to sin and to murder our Lord and Savior. Now listen, we need to really watch that in our lives and in our heart because it's not a little sin. We need to guard our hearts from that type of stuff. What are we really saying when we're jealous? What are we saying to God? What are we saying? Think about it. You're saying, God, I'm not happy with how you've dealt with me. I'm not content with how you've dealt with me here, God. I think I deserve better than how you've treated me, God. Knowing all the way back, right, when we read God is withholding and being patient with you because you deserve far worse than how God has dealt with you. But that's what we're screaming out to God when we get jealous and we get envious of people. We're screaming out to God and throwing our fist at God and saying, I am not content with how you've dealt with me. That's what we're saying when we allow ourselves to get jealous. And if we let that fester in our hearts, it's going to ruin your relationship with that person that probably doesn't even know. And it's going to ruin 
and damage your relationship with God if you let that stuff fester in your heart. Because what do we do? We start to find fault in those people. We start to find fault with them. We start to make up stories about them because we're jealous, because we're not content with what God's given us. And it's okay to want to better yourselves, but not to tear down other people in the process. That's not what God has, God has called us for. And I'm going to try to try to finish up here. But So I know a lot of you guys are sitting here thinking, and you're thinking, huh, Scotty thinks it's that easy, really, right? I don't. I don't think it's that easy. And you're thinking, here's one that I love from when I hear it from Christians. Well, that's just me, right? That's just who I am. You're going to have to deal with it. I'm short-tempered. I got a hot fuse. You light it, man, I go off. That's just me. I love to hear that because what I tell them is, no, that's not you. That's not who you are. That might have been who you was, but if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, that's not you anymore. Because the Bible says, behold, the old things have passed away and all things are made new. That I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. That I am a creation and I am his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. That's who you are now. You are a blood-bought Christian, spirit-filled Christian, if you've trusted in Jesus Christ. That's who you are. That old person that, that gets mad and yells and screams and has a short temper and is not patient with anybody, that's the old you. That's not who you are anymore. The old man has passed away, and behold, all things are new. See, Jesus set us free. Jesus set us free from that. Jesus set us free from that old person that we used to be. He sets you free to be able to love and to have patience. He sets you free to be able to have all of those things. See, in the English, we have, we have one word for love, right? We just say love. I love my pizza. I love my dog. I love my wife. Now, we know those are different, right? You love your dog and then your wife. No, I'm just <laughs> We know those are different. You love in different ways. And the word, and I, I didn't say it till now, but the word that, that God is using here in this, this, this section that we're reading is the strongest word for love that there is, agape, godly love. That, that's what it means, divine love. So God is calling you to what? God is calling you to love supernaturally, not to love naturally in what your flesh thinks you can do. God's calling you to supernaturally love people. And now you're right. The old person can't change that. The old person can't do that. But the new person in Christ, led by the Spirit, can do that. See, God has given us the Holy Spirit, and if we'll walk by the Spirit, we'll be able to do that. Let's read uh, Galatians chapter 5. If you read Galatians chapter 5, a lot of people will take Galatians chapter 5 and say, look, that and 1 Corinthians 13 is almost symmetrical. It pretty much, it just goes right together. Galatians chapter 5 says this, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, 
faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such thing, there is what? There's no law. No law against such things. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. If you're a blood-bought, born-again Christian, you have what? What does it say you've done? You have crucified your flesh and its lusty, lusty desires. And then it says, if we walk by the Spirit, if we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. See, and again, I understand in our human flesh, we, we really, it's impossible to love that way. If you're just living according to the flesh, according to, to how the world tells us and how your flesh wants to do, because your flesh tells you, go get that revenge. Your flesh tells you, go tell them off. Your flesh tells you that guy is worthless and you don't need to do anything for him. But we are to live by the Spirit. If we're living by the Spirit and walking by the Spirit, then we can love supernaturally like God has called us to love. God didn't put it in there and tell us to do it if we couldn't do it. We can make excuses all we want, but God has given us His Spirit. If you're a Christian, you have His Spirit inside of you, and you can do it. That walk by the Spirit uh, is translated in, in the NIV. It says, keep in step with the Spirit. And in the New Living, it says, following the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. And both of those are great, because in the Greek, that word uh, walk Walk in the spirit or walk, it, it really means like, a, it gives like a military rank, a military term, military order. Anybody ever watch those really elite trained honor guards? Man, if, you, if you've seen them, they're, they're awesome. Everything is precision. Precision. They give a command and it's, it's precise. They're all in one step. They're all in one unity. And they just follow the leading of their commander. That's, that's the word, walk in the spirit. That's what God is trying to get across to us. That's how we are to be. When the spirit leads, we are to be in step with him. In sync with the spirit. That's what God is calling us to. See, we can choose to follow our flesh. You have that right. You're not a robot. You can choose every day. To follow your flesh. And you can be that, well, that's just me type of Christian. That's just who I am type of Christian. You can be that. Or you can follow and walk with the Spirit. And you can be the type of Christian that says, here I am, Lord. I'll love those who seem unlovable. I'll be patient with those who really try me. Here I am, Lord. Let me be that person. You can be that type of Christian, too, if you will follow the Spirit and walk by the Spirit. You can be the type of Christian that's not transformed to the image of this world, but, but we're, we're being renewed by our Spirit. We're being renewed. We're renewing our minds in the presence of God. That's the type of Christian that we should want to be. And so here's my challenge to you guys this week. This week, I want you to get up every day for the next week. Get up every day, and I want you to read this verse and pray this verse over you and think on this verse and really let this verse get down deep into your heart. 
It's Galatians 6.20. It says, For you have been bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body. Let that verse sink into your heart, and the next time somebody makes you mad before you blow up, think about that. Let the Spirit bring that word back to your mind. I have been bought with a price. Jesus Christ paid the greatest price known to man. I've been bought by his blood. And the person I'm getting ready to react to and blow up on has been bought with his blood. He shed his blood for that person too. And so I'm going to glorify God and be long-suffering. I'm going to glorify God in this situation and not be like the world. I don't care what the world tells me to do, and I don't care what my pride and my flesh tell me to do. I have been bought with a price, and so therefore I'm going to glorify God in my body and in my actions and in the way that I love everybody. Let's go ahead and we'll close in prayer. Father God, again, we're, we're just blessed to be here, God. And as we, as we study your word, Lord, sometimes it, uh, it stings, God, because we know, Father, that we fall so far short. And so many times, God, we've, we've turned and went our own way, Lord, only to mess things up. But God, we praise you tonight, Lord, for your faithfulness and for your mercy. And we're thankful, Lord, that you're long-suffering with us, God. And Father, we just pray that each one of us here and each one listening, God, that we would, God, we would let your word sink deep into our heart, God, and we would choose every day, Lord, to, to follow your spirit, to follow your guiding, God. God, even when we don't feel like loving, Lord, help us to love and to show love that we might glorify you in our body. And it's in the precious name of Jesus we ask it. Amen.